as someone who coached a bunch of high level, you know, Michael Jordans of the world um, on their, their mental game. And I'll just never forget reading a chapter about how, when he was helping Michael Jordan get better at free throws, he talked about how you have to spend every ounce of your emotional capacity on making the free throw. So there is no room left to doubt yourself. It's like, if you picture like a, a battery, it's like hundred percent is dedicated to making this free throw. So there is not 1% left to think about what happens if you don't. This is Strength in the Details, a podcast that goes beyond the classic debate on reps, sets, and exercise programming and focuses on aligning what matters most in your training, nutrition, mindset, and lifestyle. I'm your host, Dr. Anaja Newsom, founder of Optimize Strength. I'm a PhD with a focus in the exercise and health sciences, a coach, and weightlifting athlete. With more than a decade of professional experience in sport and fitness, I truly believe that the impact of mental skills, motivation, and self-efficacy are often overlooked and underappreciated in exercise behavior change, sport performance preparation, and everyday coaching practices. You deserve to feel strong in the gym and beyond. And on this podcast, we dive in to the mental aspects of exercise, training, and sport performance. So join me as I invite industry experts, elite athletes, and coaches, and researchers to a conversation about the gritty details. Presley Hirsch is a staff writer and correspondent for Morning Chalk Up. She's the host of the top-rated Hey Presley podcast, an Olympic weightlifter, CrossFit coach, and health enthusiast based in Austin, Texas. She spends much of her time traveling, geeking out on podcasts and audiobooks, and spending time with friends, likely with a coffee in her hand. In this episode, Presley shares her authentic experience in a way that I feel is so vulnerable and relatable to so many athletes out there, regardless of your sport. She gives so many tips on changing your mindset, navigating the ebbs and flows of feelings and emotions that occur during training, and this idea of earning your success. In this conversation, we're able to touch on so many different things like fear, failure, and finding intrinsic value and appreciation for being a strength athlete. I'm so excited to share this episode with you, so let's jump in. Hey, Presley, welcome to another episode of Strength in the Details. How are you? I'm fantastic. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to finally get to talk to you. I know we kind of bounced back and forth for a couple of months, so I'm really excited that it all worked out this time. Oh my gosh. I just heard on the news this morning, they said something about getting ready for Christmas deals. And I was like, is time really going that quickly? <laughs> I feel like, yeah, you and I talked a few months ago and time is just flying. I saw the spirit of Halloween store come up the oh. other day and I'm like, it's, it has to be too early. It's <laughs> it has uh, to be early. just flying. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. I am really excited to jump into things. I think you have a really cool story to share. You have approached being an athlete from, you know, both the CrossFit side, but also the writer correspondent side, the coach side. And I, I really want to dive into your experiences and share that with our listeners. But before we do that, tell us a little bit about yourself as an athlete, who is Presley and kind of how did you get here? Yeah, definitely. So I uh, have been an athlete as long as I can remember. I always loved playing sports. Um, I never uh, was one that could like sit still and I never did like video games or anything inside. Like I always wanted to be like outside. I was playing flag football with the, the kids at the park. Uh, I played competitive volleyball growing up um, and thought I was going to play that in college. 
I had some health issues in high school that kind of deterred me a little bit. And um, given the extra time that I wasn't as involved in athletics, I ended up getting into journalism, which comes full circle because I work in that now. Uh, And after volleyball, I got into bodybuilding. Um, I worked at a Globo gym and it was very common there to do shows. Uh, And that kind of came from uh, a desire to finally like the way that I look and manage um, some eating disorder type things, which I'm sure we'll get into a little bit later. But after bodybuilding, I found CrossFit. And then one component of CrossFit is Olympic weightlifting. And so now I primarily compete in Olympic weightlifting, but I cover and coach CrossFit for a living. So lots of different avenues of sports. And then I just love like on the weekends, you know, I play sand volleyball and pickleball. And I just, uh, I love, I love movement and fitness to any capacity. I want to make an assumption here that you are under the age of 50. So that would make you the only person under the age of 50 that has ever said that they like pickleball. So I really? think that is fascinating. Um, I used to work oh, it's so fun. I used to work in a recreation center and all of the older people would would go play pickleball at lunch. And I was like, I don't know what this is. So when you read that, that's hilarious. Yeah. Oh, I I heard people talk about it for so long and didn't know what it was. And I live in Austin, Texas right now. And there's a a bar not too far where they have pickleball courts. So I finally played not terribly long ago. And it is so much. It's like ping pong, but like a little bit bigger. It's like so much fun. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, so you made your way from, you know, bodybuilding to CrossFit to Olympic weightlifting, which I think is a, something else that we have in common. I started in CrossFit and it, it was fine. It was great, whatever. But I found that I started only coming to wads that had heavy lifting in it. Yeah. Like, one of my coaches were like, well, why don't you just do Olympic weightlifting. Right. <laughs> um, so tell us a little bit about your competition in both CrossFit and Olympic weightlifting because you've competed in both. Um, what are your experiences there? Yeah, I've only competed at a very local level in CrossFit. Um, I have done like local competitions and partner competitions. Uh, and then the CrossFit season as it's declared by CrossFit HQ and, and CrossFit LLC has different stages. Um, so there's the open, which like anyone can sign up for. And then in the more recent years, they've added things like quarterfinals, which is a step to then do semifinals, which then takes you to the games, which is like the Olympics of CrossFit. So I've made it to quarterfinals in the grand scheme of CrossFit. It's not all that competitive, but, um, it's fun for me. And, uh, uh, so that's what I've done primarily. Then I, you know, do class and coach it. And I have my level two, uh, CrossFit certification to coach. And then for Olympic weightlifting, I've done several local meets and then I've competed at the Arnold classic. That was, um, this past year, which is crazy. It feels like forever ago in March. Um, and then the American open finals, the under 25 championships, um, things like that kind of at the, uh, national level. Awesome. That's, that's a, that's a really great, um, segue into kind of this first, question that I have for you when you're coming into like a new sport when you first got into Olympic weightlifting one challenge that I have faced as a coach is kind of that mentality of where do you start and I think people see the CrossFit games and they feel like well I'm not good enough to get there so I I just won't do any of it or they see something like the American Open finals or you know an international level competition but there's room for beginners in these sports. Yeah. There's entry and access for any and everyone. Could you share kind of your experiences on, you know, how does someone get into a sport like Olympic weightlifting or CrossFit? Yeah. 
I have a few thoughts on that. The first is that I think uh, I'm a very competitive person. I treat everything like a competition, but I think there's so much value in being involved in things, not just competitively or not just to win. So for example, when I competed at the Arnold, you know, I was in a session with 15 other women who like none of us have any chance of going to the Olympics this year. Like none of us are that good. Like, and that's just a subjective fact. Like there's a certain weight you have to lift to be able to do that. Right. Or if you were Michael Phelps, like you have to be able to swim so fast to be able to do something. So none of us are at that level, but that doesn't mean that we take it less seriously. It doesn't mean we don't love it. It doesn't mean that it's not a, a healthy avenue for us to have a hobby. So I just think a, to think that, you know, if you only have to be the best in the world in something to do it, um, I think you're doing yourself a disservice. Like there's just so much room in the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the first thing. And then to get started, you know, I, uh, what went to a CrossFit gym, my boyfriend at the time, uh, was in the military and he was doing CrossFit and he tried to get me to do it for a while. And I was like, that looks weird. I don't, I'm intimidated. And so then he went out of town and I went to drop into a class and was like, I'm not going to tell anyone because I know I'm going to hate it and I'm not going to be good at it. And so like, I don't want anyone to even know that I tried it. I kind of just want to be able to have a stronger opinion that it's not for me. (laughs) And so I went to the class and loved it uh, and like signed up that day. It was like, you know, forever. I'm like, okay, I guess I was wrong. Um, But I I think in both cases, Olympic weightlifting, CrossFit, really probably most sports, having a coach is really helpful. Um, and then having a coach that you vibe with, you know, the first CrossFit gym I went to wasn't for me. Um, they are affiliates, which means that every gym can operate kind of how it wants. Mm-hmm. Um, so the community, the programming, the structure, the rules are all going to be different. Mm-hmm. And so that particular gym I was at for a couple months and just wasn't the right fit for me. And then ended up going to a different one where I was there for seven years and, um, it's, it was such an incredible place for me. Um, and so I think that's a big big thing is finding a coach, but also a coach that you drive with kind of like if you were to find a therapist, like the first one's not always going to be the best one for you. Um, so trying on different, different communities, different coaches. And I think, um, you know, at least in my experience, just consuming a ton of information is very empowering. So I used to watch tons of YouTube videos of weightlifting just to know what it should look like or to hear, you know, how coaches talk to their athletes about warming up so that when someday I wanted to compete and they said to do this, it wasn't such a foreign, like, what what does that mean? You know, um, CrossFit has a bunch of lingo that we use. And so if you're new, it can be kind of confusing when you come in and they're like, all right, we're doing an AMRAP or EMOM. And you're like, what is that word? You know? So like just consuming like content, like a fire hose, I think initially can be super helpful for making you feel less lost and a little more empowered with knowing what's going on. I think that's such a good um, piece of advice because with the with the wealth of information that we have out there at our fingertips, it is easy to access information and totally. just to you know be more comfortable coming into these new spaces and these new environments. Um, so I think that that's really important. On the flip side of that, Presley, what would you kind of say to the person who is consuming that information and it becomes overwhelming to mm. the point where, you know, on the flip side, it could look like, you know, everyone's doing everything. Everyone already knows what's happening. What advice would you give to someone who is consuming that information and how to do so um, in a, in a, in a responsible way, if you will? Yeah. I think just tapping into how does it make you feel is really important. So if you're consuming a ton of weightlifting content and you feel like, oh my gosh, I'm never going to be good at this. Like, then I think it's like a moment to take a self-awareness step to step back and just go do the thing. 
you know, one of my, my favorite analogies that I've heard years ago on a podcast is like, you could spend months, you know, getting ready to run a marathon and never run. You could research shoes. You could research the course. You could look at Reddit threads of people that have run this marathon. You could watch videos on what it's like to run a marathon. You could do all of these things and not go run a mile. Right. And you're not getting any closer. So I think that's an important thing to keep in mind with any level of information or content you're consuming. It's like, if you want to start a podcast, you could spend weeks learning how to start a podcast and get no closer to starting a podcast, you know? Um, so that's not to say you should just blindly walk in and try and clean and jerk 250 pounds. But I do think that it's a, it's a healthy balance of like, am I feeling overwhelmed? Okay. Then I just need to go do the thing that I'm enjoying and take a step back. And I, I even go on basis of that, you know, working in the CrossFit media space, Sometimes there's three or four days where I write, record, go to a CrossFit event, and then listen to 17 CrossFit podcasts. And then I get to Thursday and I'm like, I'm going to listen to like something totally different for a minute. And then I'll come back, you know, just yeah. because if you start to feel that, then like listen to that and take a little baby step back and then come back to it. Experience is, is probably the best teacher, right? Like just sure. doing the thing and being in the environment because you you really never know what you're capable of until you do it. And yeah. failure in the beginning is not really indicative of whether you're going to eventually be good or enjoy it or anything. So I, I really appreciate that perspective that sometimes you just got to do the thing and continue to do the thing, right? Until it- until Totally. It, it's it's kind of like to like, you mentioned the word failure. Like if you were playing, you know, cornhole with your friends and you missed the hole, you wouldn't be like, I'm a failure. You'd be like, all right, I hope I get it on the next beanbag. Like that wasn't a good throw. Like there's so many opportunities. So you wouldn't be like, I failed at cornhole. Right. Um, so I think CrossFit and weightlifting is the same way. Like if you, um, are getting into it and you don't understand how to do a split jerk right off the bat, it's like, okay, you don't like, oh, this isn't for me. It's like, cool, just come back again. And like, you're going to get better, you know, which is obviously simplified, but I think a lot of people could benefit from looking at it like that. Wow. Such a good perspective. So you've done, you've done a lot of things and I'm really interested in hearing about your experience with fitness and, and figure competitions as well, because, you know, CrossFit and, and Olympic weightlifting are, can be individual sports, but you're doing them mostly in like a team environment fitness and figure is a little bit different right talk, yeah. talk to me about that experience and kind of what you did to to prepare for that that phase of your life yeah it was um it's a very individual sport and um you know i came at it from the perspective of as young truly as i can remember i had issues with the way that i looked the way that i felt about myself the way that i felt about the way that i looked and i, I mean I, I truly hated my body and um, I remember starting working at, at this global gym where people would come in and they looked amazing. And I've, you know, eventually found out, oh, you compete in these shows on, you know, on the weekends or a couple of times a year where you get trophies and medals for how good you look. Like if I could win a trophy or a medal for how good I look, then like, clearly I won't hate myself anymore. Cause I'm like winning awards for how good I look. So that was my thought process. Um, and I got into it and I am so competitive. I was going to win or literally kill myself trying. I mean, uh, I, and I should say, you know, every coach is a little bit different. I think based on the conversations I've had, my experience is similar to a lot of people's, but that's not to say that everyone's is like this. So I think there absolutely is a healthy way to go about competing. 
Um, I haven't experienced it, but I, I don't want to make it seem like the whole sport is bad or every coach is like this. Um, but in my experience, you know, I was so hungry. I would, you know, I, I was just, you're trying to get so lean. Uh, and I remember early on in my cut, you know, I was able to eat chicken and then we cut chicken and I could only have fish. And for four months at a time, I wouldn't be allowed to have fruit or, uh, high starchy carbs. Like I couldn't have broccoli. I could only have like spinach and, and it worked. I won, you know, but I would avoid social plans because I didn't want to be tempted. I would like unfriend friends on Facebook and Instagram. So I wouldn't see food. I'd get mad at people that, you know, wanted to ask me to go out to dinner and be like, don't you know that I can't go out to dinner? I can't eat that. You know, it was a totally different mindset of like, I am going to win at, at whatever cost, whatever relationship cost, whatever mental health cost. And, um, so then getting into that, you know, it's a very individual sport. You do feel very alone. It's very you against everyone else based on the way that you look. And I'll just never forget, you know, I came home from my first show that I won and I was sitting on my bed and you're all spray tanned and have all this heavy makeup because that's part of the deal. And I had, you know, my trophy and my tiara and I truly sat there and like looked down at my stomach and I was like, I still don't like the way that I look. And that's when I was like, what is the, like, then it's like hopelessness. Cause you're like, okay, I did all of this to feel a certain way. And I still don't feel that way. Like now what do I do? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was the, the moment that I really started after some, you know, pr- uh, darker moments started to really get into some discovery of like, okay, clearly this wasn't the answer. So like, I need to find a different Avenue to figure out what the answer is to, to not dislike myself anymore, you know? And that's what really started a journey of getting into nutrition and weightlifting and CrossFit. But, um, you know, so, I, so I wouldn't trade that experience for the world. Um, I wouldn't recommend it to this day, but, but it helped me a lot for sure. Again, experience is the, totally. the future. Totally. One of the, one of the, and I appreciate you being vulnerable and sharing that with our audience, because I think that so many people are going through that experience alone for whatever reason, you know, maybe it's not fitness or figure compet- uh, com- being a, a figure competitor, but maybe it's some other insert sport or insert some other environment. Um, I remember the first time that I, you know, became aware of who, of who you were, I heard you tell a story about how you were shopping for jeans with your mom and yeah. how that, that impacted your, your body image. And I don't want to butcher the story, so I'll let you tell it, but I think that that's, so important, especially when we talk about women and female athletes in strength sports. Could you talk a little bit about your journey with body image and how that impacted you psychologically and and maybe physically? Yeah. You know, I, um, I think uh, so many people can relate to struggling with body image to some extent. And I had a uh, very healthy and loving childhood, and I'm very grateful for that. And I think that that doesn't mean that you don't ever dissect like why you think the way that you think. Uh, I'm super into personal growth and self-development. And uh, I think it's really interesting. And and I've spent a good amount of time looking back to think, why do I do things the way that I do? Or why do I think the way that I do? And it doesn't mean that I need to change it. Maybe I do, but it can also just be to inform like why that is. And so in doing a lot of work on um, how I felt about my body and how I feel about it to this day, you know, I would think back to like, when were these early memories of things that molded the way that I feel? And one that comes to mind because it happened on several occasions, you know, is I would go shopping with my mom to get clothes for back to school or clothes for whatever reason. And it was always like a, 
I couldn't go to Abercrombie and Fitch or Hollister. Like the stuff just didn't fit me quite right. And even if they had sizes big enough, um, you know, I was never a, a zero, two, four, six. I remember that. Um, but I, even if they had the sizes, they just didn't fit me quite right. And then I would go places like Kohl's, you know, that to me didn't feel as trendy at the time. And my mom would say things like, that's just not as flattering on you. And, you know, it, it was true. Like if, if I was trying to squeeze into something that <laughs> didn't fit me, right. If that's not false. And that's a nice way to say, like, that's just not the best thing for you to wear. But at the time I, I took it and, and internalized it as like, this is not like insert, um, you know, uh, thought here, like, this is not um, for you, or like, you can't wear cute clothes, or you're too big to wear cute clothes, your legs are too big to fit what other girls fit, whatever direction you want to take it, like, those are all thoughts now that I that I hadn't internalized for a long time. Um, and eventually, you know, after doing shows, my uh, eating disorder tendencies got so bad that I went to counseling um, for that specifically, I had done like talk therapy before. Um, but truly seeing someone with experience in that absolutely changed my life. Um, it wasn't the first person I found. I had to try a few different people on, but, um, once I found the right person for me, totally changed my life. I'm a big proponent of talk therapy or uh, other kinds of therapy that people find helpful. Um, you know, having more candid conversations with friends, being really intentional about the things I say about myself and do, I am very intentional with who I follow on social media. And if something makes me feel Eh, like good for her or like, I don't, I wish I looked like that. Like I can just mute them. It's nothing against them. Like I just, it's like social media is your home. And if people are coming in that aren't welcome, like doesn't mean they're a bad person. Just means I don't want you in my house right now. You know, it's not helpful for me, you know? Um, so stuff like that has been tremendously helpful over time. And then truly um, starting CrossFit and, you know, whatever that is for me, it's CrossFit. Somebody else could be something different, but being in a sport where, your strength is so much more highly valued mm -hmm. and it's just, I mean, it's really incredible how much, um, the emphasis is on what you can do, how good of a person you are. Like if you high five your friends after the workout, like that's what makes somebody want to train with you. Not the way that you look, not like awards that you've won or anything like that. Um, so CrossFit has been tremendous, uh, for me and then weightlifting too, you know, prioritizing strength, um, I just had a thought not even that long ago, maybe a month or so ago, um, where I wasn't, you know, I wasn't having a great body image day and I went to the gym and did my weightlifting session and I left, like, I feel so like feminine right now. And it wasn't just like, I feel good. I was like, I feel like sexy and feminine and confident. And it's like those things I attribute to weightlifting at, at this moment, you know, it's like when I do a clean and jerk and I'm like, wow, I crushed that. Like it's not just like, I feel strong. Like I also feel like an attractive version of myself, you know? Um, and so I think finding whatever that is for you where you're like, oh yeah, like this is when I feel good is really important. Yeah. Oh my God. That is so empowering. And I, I love that you were able to find that and kind of change your own mindset. And I, one thing that I wanted to kind of highlight and, and, and I think this is important for people to understand and hear is I used you, you kind of said I had a bad body image day, you know, yeah. because it never really goes away completely. And we are human and our thought patterns kind of ebb and flow. But when we can recognize that, Hey, this is a thought and I'm able to change that thought and it's not who I am, you know, I'm just, I'm having that thought right now, but it's not 
it doesn't embody who I am. It doesn't define who I am and that you're able to find ways to kind of change that and alter that and, and make it a more positive experience. I think that's really important for people yeah. to really know and understand. I totally agree. When Once I was able to separate and, and I still, you know, it's still an ongoing struggle. So it's not like, oh, in retrospect, once I was able to do this, but uh, once I'm learned about separating your thoughts from who you are, like you are not sad, you feel sad. And like, you are not fat, you might feel fat, like, and, and like, those are feelings and feelings change, feelings come and go, you can attend to feelings, you can talk about them, you can like table them for later, like, they're, they're ebbs and flows. So it's like, you know, to, to embody it, um, just doesn't do you any good, you know, and it's still something I struggle with, but, but I do get better if I look in the mirror and don't feel super, super great. I can be like, I don't feel great right now. Yeah. And that's okay. Like I'll feel better, you know, at another point. <laughs> yeah. That's, it, that's really good. I was the other day I was squatting. It was a heavy squat day and I felt really strong, really, really, you know, good and capable. And I hit like a, a rep PR and it was great. It was a great day. Right. And I came home and I was getting dressed for dinner and I put on these pair of jeans that, you know, about a year ago were a little too big and now they're a little snug. And I was like, mm. and I had to reflect on like, yeah, but you also just went in the gym and crushed it on right. you know, your heavy, heavy squat day. And so like, you have to really be able to appreciate, you know, what you can do and what your body does for you every single day. And I think that's important as an athlete, as a weightlifter, as a female athlete, it's really important to focus on what your body is able, able to do and capable of. Yeah, absolutely. And there's nothing wrong with wanting to feel good in your skin. You know, I think that the, the media has, um, gone back and forth and back and forth. And I don't know if we'll ever really find like a middle ground, but I don't think it's wrong to want to lose weight or to gain weight or to want abs. I, I don't think anybody should be shamed for wanting those things. Um, I just think that you shouldn't want them at the detriment of not acknowledging yourself for other things and like appreciating that like you have other things to contribute and other valuable, you know, parts about you. Um, so I think that that's also important too, is there's been like waves of like, you know, we should appreciate you exactly as you are. Totally. I absolutely am on board with that. And it's not wrong to want to change the way you look. Just like not at the sacrifice of not appreciating that there's so many other things to be grateful for too. What's your most, I guess, memorable experience with being a strength athlete, whether it be in weightlifting or CrossFit? Mm. You know, the one that comes to mind um, is when I was first in weightlifting, um, I've maybe been doing it. I've been doing CrossFit, I think not even a year. And then like, you know, weightlifting more specifically working on that, you know, maybe a few months. And I wanted a bunch of my friends were going to the, um, college and under 25 championships. And I was like, well, I want to go, like, I'm going to go anyway to support them. Like I want to compete. And so I went and did a local meet the way it works is for the, those national competitions. You do a local competition, you have to hit a certain number to then qualify. And so I went and did a local meet and totally bombed out. Like just, I don't think I made any lifts. I was so anxious. I wasn't technically sound. Uh, you know, and by the time you miss you, anyone that's done it knows that if you miss your first one, you have like an extra level of nerves now because you only get so many attempts. And, uh, and so I totally bombed out. And I, at that time felt like such a failure and was so sad and just all of the negative emotions, but looking back and, and it didn't take me terribly long to then be able to reflect on this. And, and then I reflect on that now, as you ask that question is like, I just didn't put in the reps yet. And that's okay. And I think that it was, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like maybe a little 
presumptuous to assume that I had earned that. There's people that have been been weightlifting for years that go to the under 25 championships, you know? Um, and so who was I to think that like, just because I want to go that I earned that yet, you know? And so it was like a really good lesson to me to, to think if I don't make something, if I don't qualify for something, if I don't do something, like all it is, is a testament to like my preparedness. And maybe it's just, I haven't earned it yet. And, and that's not like a bad thing. It's just like, maybe, you know, the universe is like, you got some more work to do and that's okay. You know? Um, so that's the one that comes to mind because I just remember thinking like, oh, I can do this. Like I'd, I'd hit the numbers I needed at the gym, mm -hmm. but I, I hadn't earned that confidence yet of competing. And, uh, and so, yeah, that's, that's the one that comes to mind. Wow. That's uh, you, you're, I think you're sharing the story of a lot of us um, that go to our first competition and we're like, yeah, I'm gonna hit this number and this is the number that I need. And I'm going to do it on my first attempt is you totally. know, three, three attempts at the snatch, three attempts at the clean and jerk. I remember I was uh, trying to make my first American open finals. Um, and I had gone down a weight class to do it. And, and so we talk about like, trying to appreciate what our bodies can yes. do, but at the detriment of what I know, what, what my better, smarter, wiser self said, I was like, I'm going to drop a weight class and I'm going to make those numbers. And I totally, yep. um, I had invited my mom, my friends, my family, everything to watch me. And I did, I made, I went one for five, uh, one for six. I went one for six. I made my very first clean and jerk and that was it. Um, well, that's nice. They let you clean and jerk. Cause usually if you miss all your snatches, they don't let you clean and jerk. Well, at a local comp, they yeah, do. Yeah, local, yeah. local local comp, they let you they let you continue because you could yeah. so meddled and clean and jerk. But I just remember, you know, and and I want to kind of jump into this this fear of this fear of failure that sometimes holds athletes back. But wow. I remember getting off that platform. I felt sad. You know, you feel the feelings. I felt sad. I felt disappointed. I felt embarrassed. I felt all of the things. But when I, you know, took a moment, I sat down, the biggest thing I felt was I'm ready to get back to work. I'm ready to tackle that next thing. Yeah. Could you talk about how you channeled that, that, that failure, that bomb out at your first local meet and, and kind of how it impacted you as an athlete to continue to move forward versus maybe dropping out or maybe believing that weightlifting is not for you anymore? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think, uh, having a great community around you is huge. I remember at that time, you know, I had a ton of friends in weightlifting at the ASU barbell club that, um, are there to hype you up that have also bombed out meets and, and stuff like that too, is so helpful. Like when you look up, uh, videos and, and learn more about athletes and you see that the people that have gone to the Olympics have also bombed out meets, you're like, okay, cool. So it's not just me, you know? Um, so that's helpful too. The community is super helpful. And then for me, I really do think about, um, that, that kind of stuff does fire me up for the most part. I can't think of very many instances in my life where I have thought like I've done poorly and then been like, this isn't for me. Um, for the most part, I get really inspired by that. And I like, want to come show myself, you know, that I can do it. Even at the Arnold this year, I hit some great competition PRs, but I came in with such high expectations, um, mm -hmm. that I, I remember finishing my last clean and jerk and immediately walked into the bathroom and I like sobbed for like 20 minutes. I mean, it was like so dramatic, but it's like all this built up emotion, you know, of what I wanted to do and then failed. And, and nobody knew I failed except me. If yeah. you looked up, if, if you were following along on Instagram or at the meet, like it looked like I made four out of six lifts and celebrated because they were personal bests and they were, but like, I still fell short of like where I wanted to be. 
Um, and now every day in training, I think about that and I'm like, I just didn't earn it yet. Like I hadn't, I didn't have the, I didn't have it in me to hit those numbers that I wanted. And now, I mean, I did jerks yesterday and jerks are always my nemesis. And when I was working on them yesterday, I was like, you are going to do this perfectly as perfect, as perfectly as you can today, because when you're doing it in December in Atlanta, it needs to be that you earned it, you know? So to me, it just like fires me up more, but, but I'm sure, you know, some people do struggle with it feeling like it's not for them. I just always come back to how it feels. Like if, if you only like winning, I don't know, maybe that's not the sport for you. I mean, everybody's kind of their own person and how they want to look at that. But to me, like, I love doing weightlifting. Like if I never competed again, I like snatching and clean and jerking in a gym by myself. So like competing is just a cherry on top, you know? How much of your mindset do you think impacts your actual competition? Because it's one thing to do it in training, right? We have these big uh, things and numbers that we hit in training and it looks beautiful. We post it on Instagram, but how much of the mental, the psychological training and preparedness, how much does that influence competition day? Oh, I think it's huge. Um, I read a book one time called, I think the champion's mind is the name of it. Um, blanking on the author, but, uh, it's someone who coached a bunch of high level, you know, Michael Jordans of the world, um, on their, their mental game. And I'll just never forget reading a chapter about how, when he was helping Michael Jordan get better at free throws, he talked about how you have to spend every ounce of your emotional capacity on making the free throw. So there is no room left to doubt yourself. It's like, if you picture like a, uh, battery it's like 100% is dedicated to making this free throw so there is not 1% left to think about what happens if you don't or anything like that and i think about that every time i go out for a competition lift it is like every fiber of my being is focused on making this lift and like there's no room to think about anything else um that you know has been helpful for me it doesn't mean i don't miss lifts but <laughs> that's been helpful for me i just I think most people could agree, like if you come into things with a negative attitude or self-doubt or a lack of appreciation, uh, you're just, there's no way you're going to perform as well. You know, I'm, I'm sure that there's plenty of studies on that for sure. Yeah. Do you train that in, in training? Like, do you work on mental performance during training? And if so, what, what tips do you have for others who might be struggling with that aspect a little bit? Yeah. You know, I'm uh, probably a little bit of a head case to a certain extent, but I do think about that in training. And I even like to like test myself sometimes. Like if I walk up, like this happened yesterday, if I walk up to a bar and something feels off, you know, like you just grab it wrong or like the, your song changes. I don't know. Like it's not, you, sometimes you just walk up and you're like, oh, I need a second or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, or my phone starts ringing. You know, I sometimes will like make myself do it anyway, because I want to practice what that's like. Um, like, it, you know, in a competition, you can't pull it off the floor and be like, hang on, I wasn't the right spot. Like you're done, you know? So like, I do like to practice things like that. Sometimes I load my barbell with like different plates, not different weights, but like plates that don't match and stuff like just to like truly rehearse, like what it's like to, to be in situations like that. Um, but I do practice definitely like the, all my emphasis is on this lift right now kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, for sure. And I, and I do a lot of like affirmations and note taking. Um, so if I'm having a particular good training day or even like a bad training day, I might write in my notes, just thoughts to myself to revisit at my next session. Or, you know, for the Arnold, I had like all of these thoughts in a note about how like 
my performance wasn't the end all be all, you know, and all the work I'd done to be there. And I just like reread it on the plane and I reread it while I'm warming up and just being really intentional, I think with your mindset um, has been helpful for me. Excellent. Excellent advice. I think that it's so important for us to, we write down our reps and sets, right? We write totally. down the numbers that we hit, the numbers that we missed, how, you know, what the percentage is. But I think that if more people were intentional about also recording the mindset and how they're yeah. feeling about certain things, I think that might go a long way as well. For sure. Yeah. It's kind of like when a coach gives you a good cue, you know, like write it down so that you can like think about it next time you're doing that same lift, you know? Um, Presley, I have a couple more questions for you regarding your experience as an athlete. And then I want to transition to what you do as a writer and a, a correspondent, because I think that's very fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some things that are outside of training that has impacted you as an athlete? What are some things that I know that you have some experiences with whoop and, um, you know, nutrition, but tell me what you focus on to make you the very best athlete that you can be. Mm, yeah. Um, sleep is a huge one for sure. And I am not great at it. I definitely have seasons where I'm better at it. Um, but I worked, uh, I've been a part of two wearable tech companies now where, where sleep is, um, you know, what primarily what they measure. Um, and so learning to tune more into, you know, the fact is if you're in bed for eight hours, you're not sleeping eight hours. And like people hear that and they're like, well, yeah, that makes sense. But like a lot of people are awake for more than an hour of the time that they're in bed. It's that's super normal. Um, so just really getting clear about how much sleep you're actually getting, optimizing your deep and REM sleep, things like that are huge. Um, hydration is a huge one. Um, things. I mean, of course eating well. Um, but I just, I, I generally feel like for the most part, training is more fun, enjoyable, productive, successful when I feel fulfilled in like other areas of my life. And that's not to say that sometimes I don't, you know, have a bad day and go to the gym and take it out on the gym and, and then feel better. That for sure happens. But just in like the times when I think back about the best seasons of my training, it's also been when I've had like really good support systems in my life or generally liked my job, you know, and like, and those things are easier to do when you're sleeping well and hydrated and like can be the best version of yourself, you know? So I think like just taking care of yourself, like as the person that you are, um, is going to make you a better athlete for sure. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that. I, I think so many people undervalue, um, or underestimate the influences that things like jobs and, and relationships and, yeah. you know, financial issues and spiritual issues, how they impact what you do inside the gym. It's not yeah. about the 90 minutes or two hours or four hours, you know, whatever type of, <laughs> yeah. um, it's not about that moment that you're spending in the gym in front of the barbell. It's about everything that led up to it. And, and I think that that's an important part to kind of revisit when you aren't, you know, on your game in the gym, like what is happening outside of, of the gym. For sure. For sure. So Presley, you are a writer correspondent for the morning chalk up tell us about that. What, what do you do for them? How can people find you, um, at the morning chalk up and how, how has that kept you involved in the CrossFit experience and the CrossFit games? Yeah, that has been, uh, the coolest, coolest experience. So I have been, uh, receiving morning chalk up since like 2017, I think. And it's a daily newsletter for the CrossFit community. So, uh, it comes once a morning during the week, and um, just gives you everything you need to know about competitions, the community, the athletes, all kinds of cool stuff. And so uh, in drinking the fire hose, you know, I, I signed up and um, have always been a fan. I got to meet the owner and uh, Justin LaFranco last summer and have just 
became kind of, as I got more involved with going to CrossFit competitions, like became, uh, starting knowing some of the people that worked there. And so I, I re- had reached out last year and was like, Hey, I've done support, you know, for d- many companies, if you guys ever need help, like I would just love to contribute to this, this business that I think is really cool. Mm-hmm. And so at some point that opened up late last year and I started doing support for them in, in January. And I actually did go to school on a journalism scholarship. I didn't end up getting a degree in journalism. I switched uh, to nutrition, but I was an editor chief in my paper. My mom was a freelance writer. I've been a freelance writer since I was 16. Like I have a background in journalism. I just haven't really used it professionally. It's always been like podcasting and blogging. Um, so I just, as I started support for them part-time in, in early this year, uh, really bonded with the team, got to know a lot of them better. You know, they found out that I had all this journalism experience and they needed a, a health and wellness correspondent. So I, I came on as that role, which was awesome. And then it's truly just blossomed. You know, I really hit the ground running and have tried to do a really good job and come up with lots of ideas and contribute to the team. So I went to one of the semifinals and then the games and got to do some really cool things there. And actually um, last week, I haven't even really told anyone except my mom. Um, Last week, I accepted a full-time role with them. So now I'll be um, salaried with them. And uh, I start here in a couple of weeks. Um, I'll still be writing, but uh, I'm doing all kinds of cool stuff, Um, interviews, live, uh, what we call coffee break conversations with industry experts. I'll be piloting some new projects, lots of really cool stuff. Um, and it's, it's like every job has its ups and downs, but I truly pinch myself more than I don't that I get to contribute to the CrossFit community in this way, for sure. That's exciting. And I, and you just lit up when you talked about <laughs> it's something that you're very passionate about and something that yeah. you're very excited about. Um, talk a little bit about how you get to interact with the athletes and maybe what that has taught you as an athlete, if anything, and like how that's contributed to kind of your own athletic career. Yeah, you know, definitely towards the beginning, of course, I was a little more starstruck. Um, and now it's like, these are just people that are fitter than I am, you know? <laughs> um, and, and it is really cool. Every once in a while, I still have a moment where I'm like, wow, I got to talk to this person. That's really cool. But for the most part, I'm like, you're just about as awesome as I expected. You seemed awesome on Instagram. I've seen you compete. Like you're just really good at exercise. Like, you know, um, so that it's normalized it for sure. I definitely don't get starstruck as much anymore. Um, but it is just, you know, I think as I've gotten to know some of them better, I think it's just been a testament to, um, you know, Instagram is just such a highlight reel. It's such a portion of what everyone's doing. You're never going to get the full encapsulation of the hard work, the things outside of the gym that are going into it. So I think that that's probably like my biggest takeaway is just like, wow, these people work hard. And like, you can tell that when you see them compete, but then just getting to like, know them a little better off the competition floor. It's like, it's like, there's just a whole new level of appreciation for all that they do to, to show up in the way that they can. Yeah. And I think that's important for other people to both admire, but also like understand is that if you want to be at that level it's not that it's impossible it's just that there's a lot of work that goes into it that often I feel people don't see and so they don't know about it and they're you know they kind of take it for granted so I think that's really important uh, for people to understand for sure Um, Well, Presley, I really, really appreciate your time. What do you have going on? I know you talked about the the morning chalk up and that's, that's amazing. And I'll definitely include that in the show notes, but where else can people connect with you and find out what you have going on and, and follow, follow along on your journey? 
Yeah, for sure. Thank you. Uh, I host a podcast. It's the Hey Presley podcast. It's a lifestyle podcast. So we do talk a little bit about CrossFit and strength training, but we talk a lot about mindfulness and just kind of living an overall healthy lifestyle. Uh, so you can find that wherever you get your podcast. I've been doing it since 2018. So we're coming up on quite a few episodes here. Uh, and then the best place to connect with me is on Instagram, which is at Hey Presley and Presley is P-R-E-S-L-I-E, uh, inspired by Elvis, but not quite the same. Um, <laughs> and, uh, in there I have links to the podcast. There's also a link to view all of my articles for morning chalk up to sign up for morning chalk up, um, all of those things you can find there too. Well, this is excellent. And I cannot wait to share this more with other people and to continue following along in your journey. Thank you so much for your time. Yeah. Thanks for having me. This was great. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode. Before you sign off, if this episode was helpful for you, I'd love to hear from you. Be sure to take a moment to subscribe to the podcast, rate and review, and then share with your other strong friends. If you're looking for more podcast episodes or content on fitness, nutrition, sport performance, or if you just want to connect with me for coaching, you can head on over to my website, optimizestrength.co. Or follow me on Instagram at Anajanusam, PhD. I'd love to hear from this community. If there are topics you want to hear about or guests you'd like to hear from, drop me a note. Until next time, may your squats be strong and your lifts be big. Here's to going beyond the reps and getting to the strength in the details.